What's going on, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of Triggered. This is Triggered episode number 283. We're here on Tuesday, May 11th. We're joined here today by our good friend and special guest, Stephen Gutowski, founder of The Reload, which can be found at thereload.com, where he gives serious and great, might I add, reporting on guns and the Second Amendment. So welcome, Stephen. Good to have you here. Good friend of ours. And so why don't you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about the site, and then uh, we'll get into it. Yeah, that, that was a great intro, by the way. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the reload. I, you know, I just left um, the Free Beacon, which was a fantastic, you know, place to be for mm-hmm. for the last uh, almost seven years, and now I'm taking my talents to uh, well, not South Beach because I live. In, yeah. I live in Alexandria, Virginia. We're still in communist Virginia. I live on Route yeah. One, yeah. but, uh, yeah. but taking uh, my talents to Route One. <laughs> I'm taking my talents to thereload.com, which is uh, it's sort of like a freemium model, you know. A lot of the reporting will remain free, but members who want to, you know, get extra insight, you know, analysis, and who want to support the whole thing, because this is this is independent, yep. you know, reader-funded publication. It's not it's not run by any, you know, gun control or gun rights group. It's not run by, you know, any big corporation. So it really is completely dependent on people supporting it by signing up for memberships. But you know, we deliver, um, you know. Hard news reporting, I yep. think, is the cream of what of what we're really doing there, and uh, and then on the top of that, you know, some expert analysis from me. I've been doing this like the last ten years. I'm a certified gun safety instructor. Uh, I'd like to build ARs in my free time. We've yeah. built guns together, all three of us here, so yep. uh, you guys can attest to that. But uh, you know, it's had we've had a really good launch so far. Had a lot of a good response. You know, people from the Hill are signed up. People from every gun group you could think of, NRA you know, FPC, GOA, and, uh, you know, all the major media outlets, including Town Hall. Uh, <laughs> yep. I've, I've signed people from there. I've signed up. So it's been it's been wonderful so far. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. And uh, so let's talk about some of the stories you got on the site there. Uh, the Biden administration and guns, obviously, is an interesting relationship, oh, yeah. right? They He basically came out and called for major gun control, which is, you know, typical for a mm-hmm. Democrat politician. But I want to talk about the, the poll that came out recently basically showing that that the public is divided 50-50 on this, and his approval rating on this area specifically is much lower than his overall job performance. So, you know, how do you think this plays into the possibility of of Congress looking at this and saying, we're not going to pass any of this, you know, or do you think he's going to go, you know, executive route? What what do you, how do you think that's going to play out? Yeah, no, I mean, so he, his approval on uh, handling gun policy was actually 15 points lower than his overall approval in that poll. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I, you know, obviously think it's juiced, you know, (laughs) sure people can, you know, you can, you can look at polling and and criticize it. It hasn't had a great track record the last several election cycles here, but, but I think internally it's interesting, just like whatever you think of the numbers, the fact that he's way lower on guns than he is on, you know, the economy or COVID or, or healthcare generally, um, you know, he's down where like his approval level for immigration is, which mm-hmm. is really bad for him uh, at this point in his presidency. And I think that does say a lot. And I do think that it has a big impact on what can happen in Congress. Mm-hmm. Congress is already super unlikely to pass any major gun control uh, law right now because of the makeup. Like it's 50 50. Uh, they don't seem to, you know, this could always change, but they don't seem to be uh, going to blow up the the filibuster for legislation right right now and so with the with the support not at overwhelming levels for new gun control in fact uh other polls have shown that the support for gun controls is is receding uh in 2021 here and 
So that makes it really hard to pass any any significant gun control legislation. And so it probably will push Biden to do more uh, on his own unilaterally through, you know, executive actions and stuff, which he's already started yeah. to do. Yep. And, you know, on the Senate topic, we have two senators that hail from major gun states in West Virginia and Arizona, Cinnamon mm-hmm. and Manchin, who I don't think would go along with a major gun grab. No. You know, obviously Manchin has shown some willingness before, you know, uh, Manchin to me, you know, classic. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think they'd go full ban, no. right? They can't, given given their states. I mean, even Arizona's a big gun state, too. So, oh, for sure. So Cinema's sure. not going to be on, on, on board with that. And but so is Virginia, and that hasn't stopped Warner and Kane, you know? Yeah, so yeah, it's We'll true. see what happens. But at least the, the, I, I agree with you. I think yeah. the, the percentages, at least right now, are in our favor. We'll see what yeah. Biden tries to do through executive order. But he is trying to broaden the ATF authority um, and you did a good interview about this. I just watched it before we, we recorded this about ghost guns, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think is an overplayed. Yeah, it's, it, a, it's a political it, term. Ghost right? gun. It's not, right. it's not a like technical term, of course. But, but why do you, you know, I, I think this is probably. It's kind of a cool term. It is a cool term. Yeah, yeah. It makes, makes it sound like it's like ghosts. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but why, you know, this is Rainbow problematic, six. I think, because it's expanding the scope of the ATF. And yeah. obviously there's an ATF nominee out there. I forget the guy's name. Chipman. Yeah, Chipman. who was involved with Who Waco. is still, yeah, he yeah. was involved with Waco, but yeah. also he still literally works for uh, a gun control organization yes. uh, called Giffords. Like, mm-hmm. he's literally a gun control lobbyist. So what are they trying to do with this, and, and what kind of problems does this pose? Yeah, so Biden wants to basically, wild, like, massively expand the a definition of what a firearms receiver is, like mm-hmm. the regulated part of a gun, the part that, like, if you just buy that part by itself, you have to get a background check and, and the people selling it to you have to engrave it and it has to be licensed, all that stuff that goes into selling a gun. They have they treat that part like it is a fully functioning finished gun, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's how, that's how the ATF regulates these things. And so Biden wants to give the ATF much broader power to decide what that part is. And not only you know, just by picking out whatever part it wants to make a receiver, but also by adding the words readily convertible. So anything Mm. that is readily convertible into a firearms receiver will be regulated as though it was a finished functioning gun. Right. And that's Mm. where you get some some very kind of loopy possibilities, right? Like... (laughs) They don't really give a standard in this in this uh, proposal that just went public uh, Friday. Mm-hmm. They don't really give you a standard that's like objective for what it means to be readily convertible. Instead, it's that's just what sort I was just of, about to say. Anytime you're dealing in with yeah. subjective definitions in the government, like that's, and the ATF <laughs> loves that. Oh yeah, you know, oh, yeah. because it means yeah. that they have more power to, mm-hmm. to decide where they want the line yeah. to be. Um, kind of like the line when they remember the. Uh, in the business mm-hmm. of firearms, you know mm-hmm. what is what is what does it mean if you're in That's the right. business? It could, it's for it's some for some idea. ATF people, it's if you do like two gun sales, it's like mm-hmm. you're in the right, business. Right, right. Therefore, then the whole DC establishment right. comes down on you. The regulatory regime comes down on you. So right, and that, that's the thing. That's what the ATF <laughs> likes is vagueness, to have yeah. these vague standards so that their power is kind of. Um, uh, yeah. uh, broader than than it you trample on would my be. rights. Oh, it's vague. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We're, sorry, it's right. vague. We're just interpreting the rule. Yeah. Right? So they don't they don't give like a, a objective standard for what readily means. Instead, they like point to some court cases, right? Where they're and one of them was like the most expansive one they pointed to was, uh, you know, eight hours in a fully functioning like machine shop. If you can complete the part in that time with those resources, then 
that's considered readily convertible. And now if you're talking about something like an AR-15's lower receiver, right, that, I mean, eight hours in a machine shop, you could go from a, a block of aluminum into a fully finished right. receiver. So, so it's like... That was going to be my next question is how does this affect, you know, because obviously, you know, I, I've built a gun with you from mm -hmm. parts. You know, the lower receiver, of course, is background checked. Would this expand that also into upper receivers and potentially other parts on, you know, a standard AR? It could, but the ATF says they don't want to do The right, ATF okay. says, like, basically, we want to keep everything the way it is. We're just worried about some of these court cases that, that have happened over the last couple of years where the judges looked at what an AR-15's lower receiver is, and then they looked at the definition of a receiver, and they noticed that those two things don't actually right. match up. And so the ATF wants to change the definition to avoid any legal problems on their end. And and this also doesn't really affect like like what we've done together when we've done builds, because we, we'll buy finished parts, right? Right, right. And so those already have to be serialized, and yeah. you have to do a background yeah. check when you buy them. What this affects is unfinished parts. So 80% lowers, they're commonly called in the in the community, right? And people buy those, and it, it's 80% finished, I right. guess is the idea. That's just another colloquial term, like like ghost gun, but but yeah. it's it's not like literally measuring yeah. 80. Yeah, but the idea is it's finished, except for some significant parts where you have to physically mill out those areas gotcha. to, make, yeah. to make it actually work. Like if you just built it with all the other parts from the AR, it wouldn't it wouldn't work right. it wouldn't work as a gun and so <laughs> at that point it's not regulated as anything another common term for it is paperweight yeah. because it's a paper right. like in that form it doesn't do anything like if you finish it then, you can use it yeah. as a gun but but in that form it's not anything and it's not regulated as anything so you don't need a serial number you don't need a license to sell them to people uh, you can buy them uh, uh, you know, however you want over the internet, and they just be shipped to your house on like a normal gun. Mm -hmm. And so people Wait, like to I do that. you mean I can't go and buy a finished AR-15 on Amazon and have it shipped to my door? No. Not <laughs> that's no. my favorite you like liberal one. Oh, I've, online shopping. People is, are telling me that you can do that. Yeah. It's like it's like Death Wish with Charles Bronson. <laughs> yeah. and he's, right? and he's just ordering like bazookas to the PO box. Yeah. <laughs> no, with a normal finished gun, you cannot do that. You yeah. have to go to an actual gun dealer and buy them in person but um <laughs> but so that's what that's what like all the consternations about people like to buy these these unfinished parts uh -huh. and then finish them themselves because that way at least philosophically or in theory you get the, like hobbyists do this because they believe in the the idea that the you know the government shouldn't know who owns all the guns mm -hmm. and so in this in this case there's no serial number there's no um uh, you know way for the government to track who bought these right, paperweights right, right. basically and that's what appeals to some people, not to now. It, you know, it adds a lot of complexity to building your gun because you got to sure, finish yeah. the parts. You got to have the skills. <laughs> so it's not like a super popular thing to do, but it is. It is certainly something that non-criminals do. Now, some criminals uh, obviously uh, use it as well, and yeah. this is what the ATF complains about: they can't track them, mm -hmm. so they can't they can't trace guns back to whoever bought them in the first place, and you know, so on and so forth. This is why they they don't like yeah. it. But, um, but even though most criminals use illegal guns to begin with, right? It's not a super <laughs> common way for criminals to get guns. I've right. heard they've all followed the law. That's yeah. what I, that, that, that's that's <laughs> well, what the Democrats. You know, tell we've me. had a couple of cases here where yeah. we've had shootings, and the FBI completed a background check I on them. So obviously, yeah. that's not uh, Dylan the foolproof system. Oh yeah, we forgot to put his uh, drug charges on the. On the I'm like, oh well, my most God. recently the uh, oh the, the, Syri the Syrian here. refugee, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, that that's one thing. But yeah. the real, white guy who turned out to be not. Right. Oh yes, okay. yes. Have they something that I care about is the pistol 
yes. rule, right? Pistol have braces. they refiled that rule? Because remember, it was it was mm-hmm. filed during the closing days of the Trump administration, which was absurd to begin with. But then, it basically, he or someone high up stepped in yeah. and said, "No, no, 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 no." Mitch McConnell stepped in, right? Yeah, and, and Bill Barr, and they so stepped in. have they refiled that? Are they going to refile that? Or yeah, so basically, that's the other part of what Biden is doing right now gotcha. with executive actions. There's he he announced five things. Most of them are less controversial or less impactful, like funding for violence interruption programs or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the two big things were this this thing on unfinished lowers and ghost guns, right? And then the other one was was pistol braces. Now he gave the ATF another two months to do the pistol brace thing for for whatever reason. I don't know why it was thirty days. They had for, the rule written. For, yeah, they, they had it last year. I don't yeah. I'm not sure why he gave him extra time, but maybe to try and address some of the problems that the industry had with the first mm-hmm. time around. Because the first time it's again, this is very similar. The ATF loves ambiguity in their authority yep. because it lets them pick the put the line wherever they want it to be. Mm-hmm. Like I like I mentioned before, the eight hour thing, like Okay, that would basically make a block of aluminum. You could right. theoretically say is needs to have a serial number and you need to have a license to sell it if you if it's there's like some intention to make it into a gun in your mind or whatever. That seems so um, arbitrary. Like, it is, <laughs> but that's, that's where. The point. But that's yeah. that is the point because yeah. that's that because they want to say all right, here's where our authority could expand expand to, and so where we're drawing the line is well within that, so yeah. it must be fine. You know, so they don't they don't have problems in court is what they're worried about. Classic. And so it's similar thing with with pistol braces where like they if you read that that proposal last year, it was basically like here's a bunch of subjective standards that could determine whether or not this gun you have with a brace is either a regular old firearm mm-hmm. or an unregistered SBR, which, by the way, is a felony to possess. Right. So but we don't have any specific standards like they could give you like a weight of here's how much the pistol brace has to weigh for it to be legal mm-hmm. or here's the length that it has to be or here's the uh, amount of material on the back of it that it has to have or not have or whatever they could make these standards they just don't want Lack to of they, specifics. they want it to be like well uh, yeah. <laughs> if it's uh if it's you know marketed as though it's uh, meant to be a rifle then it is a rifle mm-hmm. um, and it just goes back to the classic <laughs> The classic uh, line with with pistol braces that they had for years, um, which they they got rid of a couple years back. But initially it was if you touch the pistol brace, because pistol braces are meant to strap to your forearm. Right. right? They're not. Which I just find ironic yeah. because I've never seen anyone do no. it. <laughs> right, sure, but that's that's kind of that's, Robocop, maybe. Yeah. that's like the ATF's complaint is that right, people use right. these as like workarounds for for SBRs. Yeah. They're really just using those braces as stocks. This mm-hmm. is what that's what the ATF doesn't like about it. I mean, it. that's, that's why people buy them. Yeah, <laughs> but they that's had what so New York was doing with the, you know get around the assault what their assault weapons ban. They were just sure. Right, it's a common thing, right? Trying to regulate this stuff is like trying to hold smoke a lot of times. Where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, uh, well, yeah. you know, because pistol braces, the ATF admits there are people with physical disabilities who use those things, uh, you know, to brace. So the uh, ATF is against crippled people. Look at that. Look at that. That's going to be, there it is. There's the attack line. Why does the ATF hate disabled Americans? <laughs> what he's okay. really saying is if you want a pistol, Go buy it now. <laughs> <laughs> right. But they, um, you know, so they had this uh, policy for, they had a letter out there that said, well, it, pistol braces are okay unless you touch them to your shoulder. And then touching, physically touching it to your shoulder constitutes a redesign of the device to make it an SBR. So 
you hold the gun out, Oops. and it's a pistol. <laughs> you touch it to your shoulder, and it's an illegal, unregistered SBR, which is a felony. So you know that that's kind of how the ATF likes to deal with this stuff because they will. And and in the letter from last fall, they said the only way to know whether or not your gun with a pistol brace on it is an a regular firearm or an illegal SBR is for the ATF to examine it individually. Right. At every single one. And also, there's no way for you to send it into them to have. Yeah, examined. yeah. I mean, uh, of course, but it's basically the only way they examine it is if it's classic. If it's if they if you get arrested with it and it gets sent to them, but so you know that that's how they like to operate. They want to have really a broad, uh, vague authority, and then they want to draw some line inside of that so that they don't get mm -hmm. themselves in trouble in court. That's kind of what the ATF comes. I down find to it right. ironic that the ATF, like, really focuses on the F. Right, yeah. the A, not so yeah, much. Yeah. The T, yeah. somewhat. Although with Biden's new bullshit yeah. restrictions, yeah. You know, I'm sure yeah. they're going to have a lot of. Well, they're going after the blacks and their menthol cigarettes. So yeah, mm -hmm. well, there's going to be a court case. Yeah, that, I, I sure. bet there should be. It's ridiculous. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it was you know, it's nanny state. The ATF is the yeah. nanny state. It even, is. At the end of the day, but look, all of this is happening as public opinion has been shifting on the guns. Right, we've talked about you know, overall approval rating on gun policy, right? Mm -hmm. But now we're finding that support for gun control, especially among young Americans, which I found very interesting, has fallen significantly. I mean, a seven-point drop when it was last conducted in oh. 20, 2018. Wow. Um, the mm -hmm. number of Americans favoring gun rights jumped from 34 to 43%, so that's a 16% net change. But the sharpest decline in support for new gun control measures came among uh, 18 to 29-year-old Hispanics, well, and, 18 to 29 year olds and Hispanics. Too oh, separate. and Hispanics. Yeah, okay, yeah. separate groups. Okay, see, that's why you have, we yeah. have you here. <laughs> but that, like that huge drop, yeah, 20 point drop for that group, for both those groups, is pretty amazing. The face of gun ownership has changed. Yeah. I mean, more non sure. more non whites are, are are participating in, in you know, mm -hmm. and more women especially. Yeah. You know, there's that there's that rule, never go against anything that middle class white women like. And uh, <laughs> well, you know, it, I, I mean, it, when you went to, I mean, Steve, you've been to Shot Show. I mean, mm -hmm. like in terms of women, you know, women conceal carrying is very difficult because of the clothes that they wear. Yeah. So you know, they're always tailor jackets. Mm -hmm. They're always printing and stuff like that. So yeah. I remember there was there was a massive section of the floor when I went before COVID. It was all dedicated to female oriented shooting sports and and gear and stuff. It was really yep. interesting. One of the one of the people was actually sold out of stuff. He filled out all his orders there. Yeah, no, it was I really, think, really, it was interesting. I think that's a good point, yeah. um, and that definitely ties into this poll of like the changing face of gun ownership yeah. in America. It's not that like white people are owning guns less now. It's right. just that other groups are owning guns more. Yeah, um, and and so you're seeing this like diversification of gun ownership in America, and not just you know racially, but also and, and gender wise, but yeah. also like your your age groups are becoming yeah. more. Uh, are changing their opinion on guns. Uh, clearly, in this poll, you know, younger people yeah. are much more likely now to support uh, gun rights than they are gun control, especially after the last year, you know, where people had <clears throat> very real threats to their safety um, in the form of the pandemic and then in the form of the rioting that happened yep. um, and the racial unrest that we've seen. And so people are buying guns for all kinds of reasons. It's basically a perfect storm of like motivation to buy guns over the mm -hmm. last year. And it hasn't slowed down. That's the other crazy thing. Yes. It, demand is still through the roof. It's gotten worse. Yeah. Like yeah. as far as like the demand supply equation yes. goes. Yeah. 
Like, it's harder to find guns now than it was a year ago. It's harder to find ammo now, especially, mm -hmm. than it was a year ago. I'm working on a story on that, by the way. So make sure Stay you check Stay tuned, back. everybody. Check back to the real, it's real soon. But Well, I noticed that, you know, gun <clears throat> supply, at least, I, I think has slightly come a little bit. At least mm -hmm. I've noticed the prices have bit. kind of, like... You know, gone. I always remember your term, you crazy to, people prices. Yes. <laughs> They've come a little bit less down mm -hmm. guns, but ammo is still. Ammo's worse than ever. Yeah. Well, last year, you know, last January. I saw nine millimeter for a dollar a round. Yeah. That's the last time I what? saw anywhere you could buy it. Oh, yes. my God. Last year, I was buying five, five, six, four. Maybe I shouldn't say that here, but for 39 cents. Yeah. You know? Uh -huh. And now, a dollar 39 and you're lucky. Yeah. You know, so that's crazy to me. And and these ammo manufacturers, which I'm sure you're going to write yep. about in the story, yep. are saying we're not going to be able to catch up to this demand for a long time. It's like Clorox and, right. and a lot of new gun owners. Yeah, yeah, it is Clorox. It is. And toilet paper. Clorox. But a lot of, a lot of new gun owners buy in. Clorox has caught up. I've seen, you know, yeah, that stuff's back in the shelf. Yeah, sure. Ammo's yeah. not. Uh, sharpshooters down the street here, we, we, we go shooting a lot, right? They One, they don't really have any guns. Still. Yes, that doesn't uh, surprise me. But two, they not only do they not have ammo to sell you to walk out the door with, they don't have ammo to sell you to use on their range. Yeah. So you can't rent. Which the I've guns never there. seen you in my life. Can't rent the guns there then. Basically, you can't. I mean, <laughs> because I was you can't there. bring. I know. I know. There's that that, that rule. They, they you can't bring your own ammo. To shoot you can bring your own ammo. Guns. You just you can't bring. You have to buy one box. Oh, okay. or two boxes. Oh, it must change the rule then, as I remember. But either way, like. I've never seen that in my life. Yeah. A range not have ammo to sell you to use on their own range. Yeah. You Jeez. know, it's crazy. Well, we're coming up now on probably about, I'd say, maybe 10 million new gun owners. 8.4 was the estimate for 2020. For last year. Probably yeah. about 10 over the last 12 to 15 months. And uh, just last month in April, we set a new record. Yeah. Right? It was 1.7 million background checks uh, for April. The record On just April. gun sales, too. Right. Right. And and you know sales have been between one and a half to two million per month just on background checks since the pandemic began last March, mm -hmm. uh, and in some places the demand even preceded that. Like here in Virginia, when we were under the threat of gun control, you yep. know that's when everybody was rushing to buy shit here. Yeah. And that's usually when you see the sales spikes happen. Yes. is from threats for in America the last several decades. It's been threats over new gun control laws. Obama was the best gun salesman we've ever had. Sure, yeah. and, and and that's yeah. probably part of what we're seeing right now. But the interesting thing to me has been like. It's not just that that's causing people to, to buy now. Like it was all those other factors that uh -huh. we talked about earlier. So so that I think is why you're seeing more new gun owners, not just you know big gun sales numbers, but these new gun new people coming into uh, the community of, of gun owners. So yep. that's really interesting. I think that's what's going to be really game changing for mm -hmm. gun politics in the in the U.S. Well, it's good for you also because you <laughs> offer a concealed carry course, right? Are you still doing that? Yeah, yeah, occasionally. Um, well, when we're doing, uh, actually, have, doing it, you know? <laughs> yeah. well, we actually have a, um, a co-founders membership yep. right at the Reload where uh, people can both, you know, provide the support that's going to be needed. I mean, we've had an amazing response to that. I saw yep. 17 of those. And, you know, that's set up the Reload to be stable for the next six months at least. That's awesome. Just, that's from, great. just from the support from those people. But in addition to getting a lifetime membership with that, you also get a range day with me. Yep. So. Um, you know, if people want to go shooting with me, that's they can now just buy and a ticket. You and you get barbecue after. Yes, and barbecue. Yeah. So, yeah. it's even better. Can I just come for we the barbecue? We did that for free. <laughs> you <laughs> can buy a membership. <laughs> I just want if to you buy one of those Who's this person? I'm invited. just here for the barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what, what's the place that you uh, you go to in Alexandria? 
Uh, oh, Myron Mixon's. Myron Mixon's. Oh, I love that place. I've never been yeah. to that one. We you ever watched to... I'm going to Fitmaster. Yeah. Yeah, it's that it's guy. Pretty, it's the, oh, the really? main guy on that show. Yeah, has it's a, pretty damn good. Yeah, he's got a barbecue so restaurant. So when you take your founders to the range day, I'm just like, oh, Myron, you come here too? Classic. All right, so let's talk about the SCOTUS case. Because obviously, you know, it was huge that they even took it up, right? That's a big step because we haven't had any sort of landmark Supreme Court case. 10 years. Yeah. Pretty much. It's been 10 years. Yes. But what I said, remember, we talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago. I I said, this outcome is far from certain, right? And you wrote about this. So, and you talked to a lot of, you know, advocates and experts about it. So, what do you think? What's your feeling on this? And what are you hearing from the legal experts about? you know, how this is going to go. Yeah, you know, I was actually kind of surprised at what some of the, you know, court watchers and, like, Second Amendment experts were were telling me mm-hmm. um, when I when I reached out for that piece. Because, you know, when it, when it first happened, when they took this case, I assumed, I think, like a lot of people do, like a lot of the gun people, did, like mm-hmm. uh, the gun control groups and the gun rights groups both reacted as though, It's you know, a sure thing if they're taking yeah, it. Yeah, if they're taking it, that yeah. means they're going to do something big with it. Uh, and to be honest, that's that's more where I come down on it because like they I took think that's, yeah. they took a big case like mm-hmm. they took a gun carry case directly to that issue, uh, which is a big unresolved issue at the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the experts were all like, well, it's not it's not necessarily right the case that that automatically means that gun rights activists are going to get what they want mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot of ways that it could not happen. You know, for one, like because the the court hasn't really done a lot on on this issue, they haven't really done many Second Amendment cases. They've done yeah. like three, with one of them being uh, sort of the the cautionary tale case that some of these experts pointed to, which is called uh, uh, Citrano. I can't, I don't remember. Yeah, how yeah. This is a, it's a uh, stun gun case out of Massachusetts. I remember that one. Yeah. That they decided in in 2016, right? And the court took that up. Uh, the, the Massachusetts Supreme Court had upheld this ban on stun guns, and the court took up the case, and you think, okay, they're going to do something big because it relates to the Second Amendment. And instead what they did was say, well, uh, you know, Heller already established that modern weaponry is protected under the Second Amendment, so we're going to unanimously remand this back to the lower courts and tell them to redo their decision, right? So it's like a positive, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really establish anything Correct. in terms of like... Kicks the can down the road. Yeah, it just doesn't do much in terms of like explaining what the um, the jurisprudence that they want for Second Amendment cases is, which is really what people, what gun rights activists want out yes. of this. Yeah. They want a standard because what what's yeah. happened over the last decade in the lower courts has been basically just from the gun rights perspective they they argue that a lot of these courts like the ninth circuit are just ignoring heller and coming up with their own balancing tests that the gun laws always win Mm -hmm. Uh, and so they want the court to say not only is there a right to carry a gun outside your home right but there's all here's how we want you to decide these cases going forward with and they all want this standard called text history tradition, which really uh, Kavanaugh made prominent in one mm-hmm. of his uh, dissents in, in another Heller case, the Heller, Heller okay. 2, I think it was, where he said that like assault weapons bans and other sorts of uh, law, restrictive gun laws wouldn't survive the uh, Heller standard, mm-hmm. which he interpreted to be like, because Heller like rejects balancing tests, yes. but it also doesn't really give you a great straight through like test that you're supposed to use on Second Amendment cases. So Kavanaugh is saying that it means you got to look at the text of the 
Second Amendment, then the, the history of gun laws in America and, and, the, and the tradition of, of gun ownership. And that's how you like determine whether a, lot, a, a law is constitutional or whether it violates the mm -hmm. Second Amendment. And so a lot of people think that would mean most of the stricter gun control laws in America, which really were, weren't instituted until the 20th century. Right, yeah. Uh, so well, well into you know, American history. Um, you know, they're relatively new laws. He, I think most people read that as like, most of those laws would be struck down. Mm -hmm. So magazine bans, assault weapons bans, you know, gun, gun carry bans, mm -hmm. all that stuff. The justifiable probably... need clause for carry rights. Right, yeah, carry which is what this case is about. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah, this will strike, issue. this will, so that's this what will they... be, yeah, this will be shall issue for all 50 states if this is. Yeah, at, so, least, at least, at the very right? least. Yeah. I mean, I think you could, um, certainly you could make an argument yeah. that you could even see uh, the court, the court could strike down all permitting if right. they wanted to, and I don't think that's the most oh likely. Oh No, they won't do that. Um, I agree. <laughs> that I, would be. Yeah, but I don't think that they would be. Will, but, but getting oh from May issue to shall issue, yeah, you know, it's big. It's yeah, big. well, it's big, especially because like it's all right. So there's only like eight states that have May issue with this, these good cause, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, clauses in them. Yeah. But you got to remember that those are that's like New York, California, New Maryland, Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. These are big states, so yeah. it's like more than 25% of the country's population. Yeah. Yeah. So it really would have a big effect in, in reality um, you know, on the average American yeah. because the average American is likely to live in mm -hmm. one of these states. Um, Do you think that so. this could play a role in, so New Jersey has permit to purchase, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Do you think this could go as far as striking something like that down? Uh, you know, I think that n no, not immediately mm -hmm. because- That's gonna be a separate thing. Yeah, you'd have to go through but it, it, it'll, it could play a role down right. the line if, because what, you know, obviously gun rights activists want this case to come out on this issue in their favor, but that they also want that second thing, which is that, that standard of review. Mm -hmm. And if they get that, which is even more important really than the first thing, um, that's where it could have effect on things like permit to purchase or even assault weapons bans and, right. and all kinds of other stuff. Because like, if you if they, if the court sets a stricter standard for like yeah. what, what you know a law needs to what the hurdles it needs to get over in order to be constitutional under the second amendment that could wipe out all, all kinds of gun control laws all across the country it could theory. yeah set a precedent to challenge and so that's why that's why gun rights activists are excited to yes. have this case yeah. but at the same time they could go the the sarantano wrote the 2016 stun gun case route and and just say mm -hmm. oh, okay this law is you know unconstitutional as applied in this situation right We'll send this back down to the Second Circuit, and they'll, they'll you know have to redecide it themselves. Mm -hmm. It'll be like a two-page and then there's no ruling, and there's you know, no sweeping yeah. legal exactly. And it basically it. just kicks there's the no, can down the road. Yeah, like, there's no like landmark hammer like with Heller or McDonald. So that's your big risk, yeah. I think, because I think it's super unlikely that they uphold. Yeah, New York's. I mean, I guess that could happen in theory. It's just oh looking at the makeup of. Well, the we're court. not going to have Roberts. That's a given. Yeah, uh, uh, maybe know. he's a he's a fifty yeah. fifty. Obviously, Roberts the, is is the more of a wild card. The libs sure, would yeah. never go with us. No. That's for sure. No. Uh, I mean, people seem to think that. I, I don't know. Like you look, at, you got to remember that Roberts was, he he was in the majority in Heller and McDonald. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like he he's not you know. Yeah, but then he's been Breyer he's been somebody. replaced with a pod person. So. Well, I think he likes to try and avoid controversial stuff. So he, that, that, this comes up like they just took another gun case last year, right? If mm -hmm. we all remember that. It was another New York gun case. But that one was way more limited than this one. That's what's yeah. interesting about this approach, right? Yeah. So they took this super limited case about transporting guns. Yes. Just just like driving them and not carrying yeah. them, but transporting yeah, them yeah, unlocked yeah, yeah, yeah. and unloaded. You know, locked. technically it was a felony. 
Right, you know, yeah. you had to have, there were super yeah. strict rules about yeah. where you could take your gun. If you, if you were in Manhattan in and you wanted City. to go to the Hamptons, yeah. bring your handgun with you. You, take you, your couldn't, gun. you couldn't take it. You couldn't, you couldn't take, take it. your gun to another house you owned in the same state. Yeah. That, yeah. That's how strict those laws yeah. were. But, and but then um, the state legislature or the New York City officials kind of rushed to like change yeah, the Yeah, that's exactly what <laughs> they did. That? Right, because they were all afraid that they would lose. And uh -huh. But that's more like a Roberts approach, right? Uh -huh. It's like take this smaller thing and we can build out from here. We're not gonna take a big case that knocks down a bunch, mm -hmm. a really like ingrained law that's big, a big deal. We're just, we're gonna start smaller and build up from there is kind of the approach it seemed to take. And then uh, New York sort of undercut that by changing the yeah. law yeah. and like giving the plaintiffs basically what they wanted. Yeah. And they so- They basically invalidated it. Yeah, and so that was like their tactic. And it seems like, you know, you know it's hard to read the court. You, you don't know what goes on behind closed right, doors. Right. But it, when I look at this, and the, they immediately take another much bigger gun case after that one got mooted, it makes me feel like maybe some of the conservatives on the court or the rest of the conservatives on the court got tired of this this plan by Roberts to more incrementally yeah. you know, take on gun cases. I mean, certainly Thomas has been super outspoken. Oh, he's Kavanaugh's my favorite. Outspoken. He's been like, what the fuck? He's my chief so, justice. Yeah. I love him. Right. And Alito, the best. Yeah. Right, and so you, maybe you look at that and you see they tried to do it incrementally. Yeah, it, it, Roberts was probably the guy who let them get away with mooting this case by, by because he I believe he wrote the majority opinion yeah. there, and then and you got a bunch of dissents in that case that were like, well, we wouldn't we would have like still done, gone forward and right. like had a real ruling on this if we could have, but you know so they did enough to get Roberts away from the majority and, and then moot the case. And then take care of it, and then maybe that pissed off the other justices, and now they're like, all right, we have now that you know Ginsburg's been replaced with Barrett, you know, we got more of a solid five mm -hmm. with a maybe six right now. And will you certainly have, you know, I always remind people, it only takes four to take the case. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Whereas and so, before, you know, it was basically yeah. in flux. Right now, it's you got the solid. Four. So now you had the. I think last time around you had four, and they thought, all right, we're going to take this incremental case because Roberts will be more likely to decide with us and we'll uh -huh. get five. And then, you know, when that didn't work because of the mooting, then you get Barrett and now the, now maybe the calculation with the conservatives on the court is like, okay, we got at least five here for, for some sort of uh, gun ruling. And maybe we can also get Roberts at six if it's tailored in the right way. Uh, and we're just not going to play around with these like small ball uh -huh. cases anymore. We need to we're, you know, some of us are very annoyed. Thomas and Kavanaugh are publicly very annoyed about yeah. not taking Second Amendment cases. So, you know, I think that the change in the court has really sped up from looking at it from the outside. That's what yeah. I see. And in this a perspective case that also comes out of New Jersey is a challenge to essentially the magazine capacity, mm -hmm. where in 2018 they signed a law that lowered the amount from 15 down to 10. Yep. Uh, you know, which which you could debate the merits of. It's just I find crazy. But this case could be another one, right? That they take up sure. on just April twenty sixth. This it was appealed. The decision that was in the Third Circuit, which is New Jersey. The case is uh, the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs, which I know mm -hmm. pretty well, versus Gruel, who's the guy who's the AG in New Jersey. Yep, very uh, anti-gun AG. Hates guns. Oh, yeah. Him and Phil Murphy together is he like, he like goes he's on more or less like a crusade against guns. Yes, like he yep. he's getting involved with like the three D printed gun stuff to try and make them illegal nationwide mm -hmm. using you know New Jersey's uh, you know 
power to try yep. and affect the rest of the country. And yeah, they love pretty, smart guns. They think violent. that smart guns are like the solution to all gun violence, which I don't see how, because if the smart gun is programmed for someone to use it and they want to commit the crime, they're still going to do it. Like, you know, that's it's the same kind of thing with gun control laws, right? Like, it's us yeah. law-abiding citizens that tend to follow those laws versus criminals who are just going to do whatever they want to. Uh, but this case, it could be an interesting one. I've yeah. been waiting for something to come up on mag limits. But that's another interesting one. We well, right? also because have one in California, yes. too, yep. where, where they actually had a federal judge strike down California's uh, mm-hmm. uh, magazine mm. limits. Which, so, right, that that happened, but have they, like, actually implemented that, or is it well, pending it was, appeal? Or? There was a Freedom Week, I believe they called it, uh, when that happened, uh, because for a week the judge didn't put a stay on his ruling. So gotcha. it went into effect immediately. For so they weeks. just started pumping out mags. Oh, yeah. Magpul is like sending in crates of mags. Good for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it got stayed after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe it was, uh, I think it was struck down, if I remember. Like his ruling was reversed at the, at the um, you know, Ninth Circuit right. appeals level. So they'll but, try to appeal it up again. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, so there's still multiple cases, I guess is the point, that are viable mm-hmm. for the Supreme Court to take on magazine restrictions. There's actually multiple cases on all kinds of different issues. Because once Barrett got appointed, a lot of the gun control groups like the Firearms Policy Coalition, the Second Amendment Foundation, uh, started churning out new federal cases. Mm-hmm. Because they, they want to, like when that New York transportation case got mooted last year, it was also kind of like a total slate wipe for all of the gun cases yes. between before the court. So they had like a dozen cases. This was something that pissed off Thomas especially, mm-hmm. but all those cases got denied uh, right at the same time that they, you know, didn't ended up ruling on the merits of the New York case. Yep. And so you wiped out all these cases that set up a bunch of different issues. And so now the gun rights groups are all trying to get those different issues back up to before the court. Mm-hmm. So that's the legal side. Real quickly here, before we uh, came to record this, you posted a, a new story about a gun buyback study. Uh, which I found interesting. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, uh, so there's a new study that indicates um, gun buybacks have literally no effect on gun crime mm-hmm. whatsoever. These vol- you know, these voluntary buybacks that you see in like big cities, a lot of they're very popular among like, you know, mayors and police departments in big cities where they're like, well, we'll have no questions asked buybacks, right? Mm-hmm. And then they offer like fifty buck, you know, gift cards to whatever, and you'll get a a couple people show up to turn in their but mm-hmm. they're hundred year old crappy guns. That was like in New Jersey when they did that mag ban. They're like, turn in all your mags, and they got yeah. like twelve in the whole no, state of a million. They got zero turned in. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, yeah. The New York, uh, New Jersey State Police had zero magazines turned in yeah. during that. Yeah. <laughs> I think somebody turned in a gun that was like had barnacles on it. Do you see that? Yeah. Well, you know what? Twitch was like, like yeah. keeping the streets safe in Atlantis. It happens all the time. <laughs> and right? people if turn you, in that's like the main thing that yeah. you see. Historical these. guns. Oh yeah. You know, Occasionally you'll get like, like World War II I remember a, a Sturmgewehr got turned in once. Like yeah. yeah. Why? Why would you turn? Oh my god. Because like people don't know. Basically, yeah, they have no idea what they're what they've got, and they're like, oh. I got a gun. I don't know what to do with it. I don't even know if I, I think can have it. I'm just going to turn it into the police. And then occasionally the police will be like, wait a second, this is a million dollar like, right. yeah. gun. We should probably shouldn't, we probably shouldn't <laughs> solve all this in half. Yeah. The because... best I can do is 5000 <laughs> <laughs> But so uh, it was, uh, you know, a bunch of researchers. And they, they basically determined that these have no effect on crime. And in fact, they actually can have a negative effect. 
you can actually Which is not surprising. you'll actually see an increase in crime yep. um, around these these events. Uh, here's we a take quote. guns out of the wall-abiding gun owners, and mm -hmm. that's actually exactly what they said. So here, here's the quote: We find some evidence of a small, short-run increase in gun crime in the two months following a gun buyback program. Uh, the result is consistent with the notion that gun buyback programs primarily target low-risk firearms that are more likely to deter crime than be used in the commission of a crime, and with the hypothesis that uh, some criminals may be emboldened in their perception that vic victims will be less likely to defend themselves with deadly physical force because they sold their gun mm -hmm. you know, at, the, at the buyback. So it's pretty interesting to see that. Uh, you know, basically, they and they, they said essentially the main problem is like, they go to the wrong neighborhoods to do these buybacks in, neighborhoods that don't have a lot of gun crime to begin with. Mm -hmm. And then also they don't pay enough money for the guns to make it like a reasonable deal for someone to turn one in. Right. In fact, a lot of times, and they pointed to this in the study, you'll see people, like local people, will go to these buybacks and look at what guns are getting sold. And if there's anything worthwhile in there, they'll buy them from the people in line mm -hmm. for more than whatever the police were going to pay for them. And That's so, classic. like, yeah, like that happens all the time. <laughs> and so, you know, they just end up being Great wasting taxpayer money. Here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, in Canada, I mean, that happens yeah. all the time. Yeah. And um, this was a this was actually a big policy that, uh, you know, it's not just pushed by these mayors and police departments. Joe Biden uh, wanted a voluntary buyback as part of his uh, his plan for mm -hmm. AR-15s and, and other, you know, guns like that. So this this is like. Uh, major component of his mm -hmm. his gun policy, and now Remember, you have this first of its kind study saying like this doesn't work. Didn't Kamala once say that if people won't turn them in, then they'll forcibly? Yeah, she's like, I'll do an executive fiat. I'm like, you can't do that. That's not how it <laughs> yeah. Works, yeah, I, mean, I also remember when Joe Biden promoted basically everyone breaking the wall, and he's like, buy a shotgun, and if the person's near you, yes. just fire oh, yeah. in the yeah. air. I'm, I'm like, you Jill can't to do go that. out and let yeah. shotgun blasts yeah. off. Yeah. Like, yeah. You yeah. live in Wilmington. Yeah. Do you know that uh, Jill can <laughs> yes. get 10 to 15 years for an unlawful discharge? You know, in a Wilmington suburban is not area? a rural area. No, it's not. Right? You know, get it's, him in, it's a city. I mean, his house is in the burbs. Yeah, but like. You, you yeah, can't you, do that. You just can't fire a gun in the air. Not to mention they have Secret Service protection. Yeah, so like, that come too. On. I know that too. But there was a woman. Remember, the, there was a woman who was trying to ward off a, a, a domestic abuser. She fired mm -hmm. in the air. She got a like a fifteen year sentence for unlawful yeah. discharge. It's yeah. it's it's you know I mean. Yeah, I mean, like, you just can't fire guns in the air. Folks. Yeah, warning like... shots are not legal because <laughs> yeah. the the idea with guns, right? Uh, and this is another thing that actually Biden kind of, in the way that he yeah. things that he promotes, <laughs> takes away from this idea. But in, in America, we treat the use of firearms as deadly force because they could kill you yeah. if you get shot with one. And so you can only justifiably use firearms when you're faced with a deadly threat or like threat of serious bodily injury, right? That's the standard we have, mm. but when you, that's why things like warning shots yeah, and know. and things like yeah. uh, which Biden also advocates for, but the concept of shooting people in the leg, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that always gets me yes. with the cops. I'm yeah, like, yes, shoot them in the leg shoot, because shoot them in the arm and, and the, the hand. It, the implication there, one, it's obviously super impractical because you're mm -hmm. shooting at a smaller target in the middle of a deadly force situation. But two, like the implication when Biden and others use it. Is that like, oh, it's less deadly to shoot someone in the leg. And it's like, that's not, that's not true. Right, what are you yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. You hit him in the artery. Yeah, yeah, they will die. Yeah. Yeah. Like shooting someone can kill them. That's why we yeah. treat it as deadly force. Right, why would you right. want to lower that standard like this? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Bad. And by, it's weird come from people who like are super 
uh, into strict gun control like Joe Biden is, yeah, and they're yeah. out there like telling people to start shooting Basically, guns in non threatening situations. To promote gun control, break the law. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I did want to talk about, you raised some good points. We were talking about Texas constitutional carry. You know, we talked about it last week on the show that yeah. they passed it through the Senate. Yeah. What's the status of that now? Because it's interesting. Yeah, there's actually um, a bit of a hang-up there. So if you, if you guys talked about this, you probably already know that, like, the lieutenant governor there, Dan Patrick, had concerns about the bill. Yeah. And he was like, oh, it's not going to pass the Senate. And then it ended up passing. But apparently, uh, at least from what uh, Gun Owners of America and Firearms Policy Coalition have said, there are issues with the amendments that were passed alongside this bill in the Senate, issues that make it you know, not possible to pass those same yeah, amendments yeah. through the House. Like it would, because of the rules of the House yeah. in Texas. Technicalities. Yeah, it's a technical thing, basically. It's, it's a, it's, it could basically prevent the law from becoming, um, from the bill from becoming law over these, uh, these procedural issues if it's not fixed really soon. And so you might, even though it passed the House and the basic idea passed the House and the basic idea passed the Senate, the way that the Senate passed it can't just be voted on in the House. And so yeah. they, they're going to have to fix that uh, through conference committee or they'll have to go back in the Senate and yeah, fix, clean up their language. It, yeah. yeah, and so that might actually cause the bill not to get passed into law, which mm. which I think will be a big... That'd suck. Yeah, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be a big deal. In Another Texas special session then. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a big deal. Real quick before we wrap the show, I just want to hit on a few other news items. If you are listening to this and live in any of the states in which the pipeline services you, which I'm sure you've heard about, buy your gas because that shit is running short right now. That's true. Uh, Which, you know what I found interesting, by the way? Biden lessened the EPA rules, but only on the blue states at the north end of the pipeline. I'm like, dude. We're fine though. We got waivers. Virginia's running out right now. Yeah. I, I heard that, that I heard oh, that shit. a lot of them are starting to run out. Well, you know, a lot of it Good is thing I filled up. A lot of it is people are panic buying, of yeah. course. Yeah. Which, you know, I will never say don't have a full tank of gas, because yeah. if you yeah. can get it, you might as well have yeah. it, right? Do it. Yeah, sure. But like, you know, last night in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, yeah. pumps were, you know, yeah. running dry, people yeah. were hitting six, seven gas stations, no yeah. luck. So you don't want to be in that situation. So yeah. that's why I say yeah. if you can, make sure to fill up. Um, and of course, I'm sure you all heard about uh, Israel being under attack. I uh, just wanted to say, sending prayers to our friends yes. over there. We're going to cover that much more tomorrow on our special episode. Tomorrow? And, yeah, we're going to have a special trigger oh, tomorrow to celebrate the momentous occasion <laughs> of Liz Cheney being ousted from congressional Goodbye, leadership. Goodbye, Liz. And so we're going to have a special episode tomorrow afternoon, so stay tuned for that. We're going to have a lot going on there. We're going to talk about all the news of the day because there's a lot to talk about. We have a bunch of gun stuff we didn't even get to hit with Steven, so we're going to be able to get him so back here guns. in a few weeks to talk so again. So much gun news. And we got to talk about Virginia, and there's a lot going oh, on. Oh, how so. Munchkin won the... Uh, the okay, nomination. let's not talk about it now. Don't get my blood pressure <laughs> high. But just want to say thanks to Steven for joining us. Of course, you can find him at thereload.com and on Twitter at Steven Gutowski. That's with a P-H. Yes. Uh, Gutowski. You can follow him for great gun news. All very, very solid analysis, and of course, his Wawa tweets because we all mm-hmm. love those too. So, Jersey Mike's tweets as well. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or recently, Taco Bell. I was Taco. impressed. Yeah, you nacho fries. Wow. Best fries <laughs> and best food. <laughs> to, to we Bell, could huh? do another 45 minutes on just the nacho fries. <laughs> I love Taco Bell. So, of course, you all know by now how you can support us. If you want to go over to Steven's site, thereload.com, and support him, he does great work over there. Thanks to all of our VIP members. 
Uh, if you'd like to reach out, email us triggered at townhall.com. Thank you to Paul Mann and JYBM60 for the five-star rating and reviews. We love you all. Thanks, guys. And we will see you tomorrow for that special episode where we, for once, will have good news to report, I think, as long as the GOP members don't backstab us like we usually do. So we will see you then. Thanks again, Stephen, and uh, we'll see you all tomorrow. Later. Oh, no,